Tavarish, welcome back to the Escalation 1985 podcast. I'm your host, Peter Bell, also known as Peter Bell on the Discord. Unfortunately, Lucas will not be joining us today. His power is out, but we have a very special guest on today. We have War Aesthetics, also known as Mixtape in the Discord, or in real life, Bobby. He is the owner of the War Aesthetics YouTube channel, home of the VHS 1980s combat footage that everyone knows and loves. So, without further ado, Bob, you want to introduce yourself and kind of say how your channel got to be where it was today and just kind of any questions you might have for me? Uh, yeah, sure. So, I run the War Aesthetics channel, as Peter here mentioned. Uh, the channel all really started out. I was in bed listening to this Vaporwave song. It was uh, Caesar's Palace by Kodak Cameo. But so I was listening to that and I thought to myself, this would look really cool with footage of like fighter jets and stuff. So anyways, I got some video editing software. I don't really openly display which I use because I've seen a lot of people start to start to copy me since I got more popular. But and then I put the I pieced a video together and that's how fighterjet1988.mov was born, which was my first video. And more, I started rolling out more videos and getting a more defined editing style. Uh, kind of like injecting more emotion into it. Like if I had a good day, it would like you would find a song where it was like jumpy with bouncy kicks and snares and chords or whatever. And if it feels like a bad day, I would like make a video about Grozny with like sadness. Something depressing. Oh yeah. And everything looks gray. You can't really get more depressing than the Siege of Grozny. Yeah. <laughs> I have a uh, Marine impression from Siege of Grozny, 19 or, or First Chechen War. That's probably my that's my favorite impression. But uh, no, yeah. Anyway, that's you know, start for everything, and your channel's grown so much in the past year. I mean, how how do you feel about it? And you know, I'm very surprised it actually grew to this much. Uh, it almost in under exactly a year, I reached the 10,000 subscriber threshold. I uploaded my first video on July 4th of uh, or no July 12th of 2017, and on July 4th 2018. I passed 10,000 subscribers, and then in, congratulations. Yeah, and then in the two months to pass, I'm now at 18,700. So it's been growing quickly, and I've actually been able to make some money off of it, which also surprised me, considering the amount of other people's music that I use. That's but, what uh, I was gonna, you know, how how does that work with with you know copyright? Is is there any music that you are allowed to use and aren't allowed to use, or does it kind of vary between video? Yeah, actually the most surprising video or like music type that is almost impossible to use is Yugo Rock. Uh, really? while, a while ago I made a video about uh, the JNA and originally the video had was using the song uh, Bez Tebe by Valentino and I went and like I had all my beat syncing done up, everything was perfect and I uploaded it and it got blocked in 227 different countries and then I got <laughs> copyright striked and I had to take it down. So then I had to go back and I had to use Srevena uh, Yabuka, Derlia. I had to use that song and it kind of synced up. It wasn't as nice, but it kind of worked. Right. And I, I was satisfied enough with it, but some of these songs are really protected by uh, this media production company called Yugoton. But That's interesting. Is it is it mainly the music? Because I know with the new YouTube guidelines, there's a bit of like a, it's a little dodgy on like using war footage. Have you, have you ever gotten a video, you know, taken down for the content or is it mainly just the music oh yeah no i've uh i've had some videos where they're demonetized uh some of it doesn't make much sense to me i often find that videos about the soviet union never get demonetized which is why you then, see a fair yeah. bit of them on my <laughs> channel 
But uh, a video about the French in Iraq in the Gulf War, that's uh, demonetized. And a video about the Vietnam War is age-restricted, so... Uh, I've had other ones where, like, I think it was uh, one of my early on videos, Sovetska Armia. Uh, it got copyright striked for footage, actually, by National Museum Archive of Moscow. Oh, wow. And uh, I messaged them, and they released it, and they actually liked it. Uh, another one was uh, the Russian band Yub. They copyright striked me because I used uh, their song... Uh, I can't remember what Sirota Kazanskaya, like the orphan of Kazan. Right. And uh, I messaged the band personally, asking for them to let me use their song, and I explained that I was trying to honor these orphans from Russia in the '90s or whatever, and they let me use their song. That's so awesome. now I can use, now I'm able to use uh, their music. Like some some videos, they just sort of like they get copyright claimed. I can keep them up, but like I can't make money off them, and I'm okay with that because they'll still help me grow my channel, and other people will watch other videos that are not copyrighted. No, I mean, it's great that you're able to get in touch with these artists. I mean, it's just more connections for you. And I mean, it's only going to let your channel grow even more by being able to use these these videos. But I saw you just had a re-upload for something that got taken down. Which video was that? It was a, it was pretty recent. Uh, I don't think I've done any re-uploading. I, I did once re-upload one of my older videos, which was Bounce81. Because uh, I was feeling greedy, like right. I, I I put a lot of work into this one video, really early on in the opener of the song, but then it yielded like 300 views, so I took it down and then I waited to re-upload it, because uh, I wanted more people to enjoy it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it still didn't yield an incredible amount. That was 10 months ago I re-uploaded that. Okay. Other than that, uh, the one video I want to re-upload is my Japanese uh, Air Force video which unfortunately was the biggest copyright claim I received. Was that the fo was it footage and song, I'm assuming? Uh, footage. Ah. Uh, I had two videos where I used footage from a guy who I guess was, I think he was a Marine stationed out in Okinawa. But uh, it was this amazing like HD footage of uh, Japanese F4 Phantoms. Oh. So I used that and I pieced together a video and it was just, the video was great. I loved it. And it got a lot of views quickly. I think it was in like three days, it got 12,000 views, which is the quickest out of any other video except for anything Yugoslavia related, which always gets a shitload of views. Right. But uh, so I got this video going up and then after like about a month, it got taken down. And then I had another video where I used footage of him filming F-18s, that got taken down. So inside of like two days, I received two copyright strikes, and if you get three, your channel gets taken down. <laughs> so I was I was in panic mode there. <laughs> I, uh, Have you thought about getting I, in touch with the Marine and trying to just say like, hey? I, I tried, and he never messaged ah. me back. Oh well. I'm thinking of t taking the footage, because I still have the original files to both of them, mirroring them, and then putting a disclaimer as to how this meets fair use. <laughs> right, yeah. I don't know why he took it down, but if you're going to upload it to YouTube, you got to expect people are going to download it. <laughs> exactly. It's, just, it's a public platform. It's only, you know... Like, I've seen people repost my work. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if, if you're, like, chopping up my footage and re-editing it, I guess that counts i can't take you down because you're using it in a transformative nature i actually noticed what i yeah, used on this guy's footage right i noticed in one of your comment sections on one of your videos someone was like where did you get this footage and i knew as soon as he asked and i was like he's gonna try to you know re-upload this and make his own and I, I could tell you you just responded you were like places <laughs> i thought that was hilarious yeah that's how i usually reply to it yeah. uh 
like you got your connections. But, yeah, I, I find it all over the place on the internet. Some of it's very hard to find. Oh no, yeah. Uh, trying to keep find and use fresh material. Even ask Luke. Luke has like, you wouldn't believe the amount of like reference material and video and pictures he has. It's like astonishing. And even just for even friends of him, I mean, it's just like, you know. If you ever want to make some obscure, like, niche conflict or, or, or country from the 80s and you need pictures or video, ask him. And he'll help you out. Nagro Karbaugh War. That's <laughs> one that's re been requested a lot. I'd like to see that. I see. I, yeah, you have a couple Rhodesia videos as well. It's hard to... I think I only have one Rhodesia video, actually. I thought, I'd, I thought you'd have a couple. Oh, okay. But, no, I mean, there's... It's hard to find solid Rhodesia footage. I mean, I found, I, I found one, I found a few nice videos from this one channel and they've only got like 3k views each. And it's these, um, it's these, it's some RLI, like patrolling in one of these like trucks and they find like a bomb in the road and they like sweep for it and it's like, it's just surreal. I've never seen a piece of footage from Rhodesia like that. Yeah, it's, it's hard to find Rhodesia footage. Like, I can find a fair bit, but it's all just abysmal quality. Oh yeah. And I can't, I, I can't use that, right? Because I render everything into 60 FPS, and then that can mess with pixel frame rates and whatever if the quality is too bad. Right. You know, you mentioned earlier that some of your friends were excited about uh, Escalation, and your, your friends in the army. So, I mean, if they had any questions either that you know of, ask away. Uh, apart from they're all wondering when it's going to come out, I don't know if you, I don't think you guys have like a rough estimate on that because I see in the Discord a lot of people ask that. Yeah, it's. A common question. It, it's pretty much like that's a question you ask any developer, and they're just not straight up, just not gonna know. I mean, there's so many different factors that plan to when the game is actually gonna come out. Oh yeah. We are making progress. We are making very good progress. You know, we've got an amazing, absolutely amazing, hardworking team, just pumping out all this content, and you know, we're trying to we're, we try to stay, you know, we try to inform the community of you know updates, and as we keep going along, with different features that we're gonna keep adding. And, but, you know, having a definitive date when it's actually going to come out is pretty much impossible for me to say at this point, but, um... Nah, that's totally understandable. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm sure you can understand, and I'm sure everyone else, you know, most, most people can understand. Yeah, I look very forward to this game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You were asking earlier about, um, factions, so, um, that was one of the, uh, original questions. Um, from our first take at this podcast, but um, we will feature several nations from NATO and Warsaw Pact, and um, through future updates, they will, you know, it'll keep growing. But as of now, we have Soviet Union, U.S. Army, Bundeswehr, National Volks Army, or the you know, East German Army, and then um, we will have the Danish Army as well as a part of NATO. So um, we're working on Danish characters now. We're working on Soviet, U.S. Um, and those will be featured in uh, a playable uh, pre-alpha for the Patreons. So if you would like to be a part of that uh, pre-alpha, make sure to um, get the correct tier on our uh, Patreon and you can be a part of that. Um, so, um, yeah, any, any other questions, feel free, ask away. Uh, I know a lot of my subs have this question. Uh, do you ever plan on adding Yugoslavia to it? Because a huge portion of my subs come from the Balkans, more specifically the former republics. Of course. And they all want to play as the JNA. Of course. Uh, that is definitely up for discussion among our team. I, I personally just, you know, 
Um, would love to see Yugoslavia as a faction. Um, it's not entirely up to me. I mean, I've, I I do have a say in what goes on, but I mean, I, it, it's definitely we all have to agree on something, you know. But it definitely would be an interesting faction, and I mean, I love, you know, uh, Tito and that whole aesthetic, and you know, Yugoslavian People's Army, and I, I've seen a couple videos for, actually from you, and that kind of like that got my that got my Yugo blood pumping, so. Oh, hell yeah. I, I also have reference, reference material for that. I have a bunch of JNA equipment oh, really? laying around my room. Yeah. Are you a, so are you a, uh, you kind of in the West Coast reenacting scene or do you do tacticals or are you just kind of like a collector? Like what's the... I just collect this as a hobby. Yeah. I like to have it. Uh, then me and my friends go out in the woods and we do shooting. I've seen those videos. We all videos. get decked out in our gear. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, it's just a hobby of mine. I like generally collecting this stuff. I've been doing it for a long time. Like, I still have the first piece I got, which was my M1 helmet. My mom got me for Christmas in 2008. Huh. Canadian M1 helmet from 1985. Always a, always a first for everything. I mean, that's pretty much how mine started. I mean, I got, when I was in fifth grade, I got a, uh, it was like a fake PSAC helmet with like a, with a, I, it was just made of plastic, but I just like it all started from there, and I just kept collecting. And then eventually, I met um, Vince Ciro, who's actually the if you've seen the um, cover photo for our game with the guy with the M60, he's got the M16. You can see one with him with an M16, and then another one with him with the M60. But if you've ever seen those pictures, he's, you'll, you can see it on I think Patreon. But um, I eventually found him and a whole group of people, and they run these events called Southern Front Events. And pretty much we go to Enfield, North Carolina, and we have tacticals like we've had, we've had a uh, Soviet Afghan war reenactment, which was uh, Magistral 2, Magistral or Operation Magistral, which is a uh, 1987 like uh, there was a road in uh, Afghanistan which the Soviet airborne troops had to had to clear in order to get um, weapons and aid through to Kabul. Um, then we've had like. Uh, Battle of Bautzen, 1945. So, SS and Airman Goering Battalion versus uh, Soviet uh, Soviet Fifth Guards, uh, and then uh, we just actually the last one I had was a Rhodesian Bush War, and I uh, I reenacted as Zanla, which was a lot of fun. I love being I love being guerrillas. You know, I could I could have been the Rhodesians and I could have spent all that money on the kit, but I had a lot of fun being the being the, being the gorillas, I got captured a couple times. I got killed a couple times. Planted mines, dug dug in. It was it was a lot of fun. But you know, if any if you or anyone out there is interested, I mean, please feel free to get in touch with me if you've got you know, equipment lying around and want to do a tactical. Yeah, I had a uh, question. What tier of Patreon supporter is it that gets you access to the uh, closed alpha? Ten dollars or more. So if you like the the forward observer, uh, you will get access to the um, pre-alpha, which will take place pretty soon. Actually, um, we're actually for the for the pre-alpha we're developing right now um, is to show investors so we can get a uh, loan to kind of ramp up production of our game so we can actually hire uh, full-time employees and. So once that happens, you can you're really gonna start seeing more more content being produced and you know all that all that fun stuff. That sounds amazing. And it's coming up soon, so get in this get in this pre-alpha before it's too late. Oh, you're goddamn right, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I gotta and move. for all those of you out there. Yeah, no, I'll put the word out on my Discord about that. I imagine I have a bunch of guys who will be very interested in it. Absolutely. I mean, as much as as much people from your community as can come over to ours, I'm sure a lot of people in your community know about this project already. But I mean, as as much as you can, that'd be definitely much appreciated. And we'll make sure to uh, let the community bet know about your channel. Um, get you some more no notoriety because i mean both of our, both of our projects have been pretty much go hand in hand i mean just kind of 80s aesthetic you know VHS. Oh, yeah if you guys need like if you guys need like trailers and stuff like that produced i will gladly oh, no, absolutely I love to help out in I'm the, any I'm way actually, i can i'm the lead trailer designer so i mean i might i might need your help with you know because i've got to i've got to make the in-game renders of characters doing certain events and then i've got to just you know it's a whole other thing to put it together in, in, in post-processing, so I mean, I could definitely use some help with that. It's just, you know, um, all up to Sebastian. But, um, no, yeah, just if you have any more questions, let me know. We can sort of, you just gotta talk about whatever. You know, other than that, I'm extremely hyped for the game. Absolutely. Do you want to talk a, bit, a little bit about your uh, military service in the uh, Canadian military? Uh, yeah, I can. Uh, that wouldn't be bad, because uh, I do get asked that question a lot. Right. Uh, what I do is I'm a primary reservist in my hometown. Uh, I won't just toss out my hometown, uh, but if you're smart enough, you can guess it's one of two, because my unit is stationed across two towns, uh, with 4-1 Squadron in Kelowna and 4-2 Squadron in Vernon. Uh, so yeah, I'm part of the British Columbia Dragoons armored reconnaissance uh i don't have my trades qualification yet i have my up to my bmq land which is your soldier qualification course so i'm gonna have to wait a little bit of time to hop on a dp1 course for armored recce and then yeah essentially it's wednesday night and some weekends uh in the summers i work full-time okay and you've you've had a couple videos actually on your channel of you using the c7 of you just i saw that video of you uh with the uh, the machine gunner next to you, and you kind of just were yeah. dumping your mag into the. That, that, I yeah, thought that I, was cool. I love that video. I did take that video down. Uh, really? I think it violated opsec, so I, t I took that uh, video down. Uh, also, if you don't, if you, it, if you didn't want me to mention that, I can ha I can just say now that Anton can take it out. But I mean, it's up to you. No, it's fine. You can mention it because it's not on my channel anymore. Like it's not even private or anything. It's just gone. Yeah. Uh. It's something I probably shouldn't have done, or I should have reviewed first, but that that's life. Did you get permission to include the... I thought i thought you mentioned in the beginning of the video that you get permission to take video. Uh, no. I, I don't think... Or, yeah, mas the Master Corporal in charge there, uh, I asked if I could take a video, because what we were doing is... That was the end of the field portion on my SQ, and we had, like, so much ammo left over, so we were just basically dumping off mags which is why you right. see that i'm not taking up proper sight pictures really and i'm just ripping away on full auto like i i do know how to shoot my weapon accurately to some degree i'm not the best marksman uh but they they know how to like i know how to shoot right so right. you're just cooking off rounds i was just spraying away until i was out of ammo it basically sounded like world war ii for about 20 minutes <laughs> Because we had all our arty sins and T flashes and stuff, and we, ch we were throwing all of those. Was and there then, was there armor in this exercise, or any aircraft, or was it just kind of like an infantry exercise? It was just kind of like infantry stuff. Uh, we had opposing force that we would uh, fire at, and they mostly used this mix of uh, civilian vans and trucks. 
So they would walk up behind those and then the vans would represent BMPs ah. in proper Canadian Army fashion. And uh, trucks would just represent, well, trucks, they didn't represent anything else. So you would often see Op 4, like, they actually used the Soviet doctrine on us where they would ride in this van and then they would get out of the van about 100 meters from the trench line and then they'd spread out alongside of it or they'd move in behind the van. Wow. And then, then the Soviet doctrine collapsed and they basically bum-rushed one section's trench. I remember one night uh, they, they attacked one section, which is way down the trench line from me. We were pretty far up on this hill and uh, one section ran out of ammunition. And instead of getting out of their trench and getting in hand-to-hand -hand combat, they surrendered. <laughs> Which, uh, which didn't go well for them. Ah. Uh, Op 4 took them prisoner and staged a fake execution out in the woods. Oh, man. And uh, then stole three of their C7s. So the people got in trouble, A, for surrendering. The course warrant comes down and he's like, Do you know why we don't surrender? Who's our enemies these days? The Islamic State. And they don't take surrenders. They'll cut your head off. You are all dead. <laughs> oh man. And oh, what's and then they got in more trouble because they lost Op 4 was able to steal their C7s and a C9. So that's how that went for them. Uh, eventually Op 4 came back and they like, hey, hey, like ceasefire, we're we're giving you your weapons back. But uh Yeah. Wow. I also got in trouble a fair bit on that course because I kept using the term uh, looting. Because what you could do is when Op 4 would go and they'd be, oh no, I'm dead. You could walk up and you could search through their attack vest. Oh, you're supposed to, to say like their... I'm checking for intel or something? Yeah, we would either like look for maps or we could take their full magazines and we'd give them our empty magazines. Okay. Because uh, like magazines aren't individually serialized to you. It's just here's five 30 round magazines. Right, yeah. So as long as you give back five, you're good. Uh, but I always use the term cover me. I'm going to loot the guy. And then this mass corporal comes by and he's like, don't use that motherfucking term. It sounds like you're going to steal his watch. <laughs> and I was all like sleep fucked. I'd been awake for like four days. And I said, I'm like, master corporal, if he comes to war with a Rolex, he's asking for it. <laughs> and uh, that that got me in a significant amount of trouble. <laughs> that was, uh, oh, I got yelled at pretty loudly. Wow. That's so, I mean... Would you say that they were training, as opposed to fighting the an Islamic military? Would you say that there is also an element of their, you know, defending Canada against a Russian invasion, or would you say it was kind of a little far off from that? Oh yeah, well like it's kind of hard to gauge what Op Four was doing because normally like Op Four will dress up in like foreign camouflage and stuff, but our Op Four they dressed up in track suits and track pants, like <laughs> Russian gopniks, so to say, quote unquote. <laughs> Uh, they dressed up like that, and then there was a lot of yelling matches in Russian between me and the Op 4. I had, fr I actually had, uh, subscribers of my channel on my Op 4. I was standing on a loading bay, and one of them walks past, and he's like, Wait a minute, you're mixtape, and I cover my name tag. He's like, it's okay, I already saw it. We're not gonna tell anybody. And then he calls, like, five more guys over, and he's like, It's uh... fucking mixtape! <laughs> and, and then I'm like, oh, no. He's like, yeah, we're gonna fuck with you really hard once we find your trench. And they did just that. They fucked with my trench so much. That sounds like fun, though. It sounds like a good time. The, honestly, the field portion was fun for, like, the last three days. Uh, actually, no, I, I retract that entire statement. Uh, it was not fun. Yeah. Uh, That's pretty much how it, it goes with tacticals, honestly. It's like, for the first firefight, you're like, God, this is awesome, and then kind of the, the 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 sense of like okay i'm out here and it's 
you know, I can't sleep in a comfy bed. It kind of this. It starts to set in. I, I totally agree with you. I have no problem not sleeping on a comfy bed. Like no, yeah. to get around the fact that they artilleried me every time I went back to the platoon hide to sleep. I dragged a piece of metal paneling about 80 feet behind the trench line into a thicket of trees, and I laid on top of that in my full kit. <laughs> and then I'd have this little watch that I'd rest next to my head, and it would beep off and wake me up. Uh, to get around that, which you're not supposed to do, by the way. You're just a little rebel. The fi the firefights were fun, like nighttime firefights where you're just blasting away, and there's like para flares coming down and stuff, and guys are throwing T flashes. It that's fun. Uh, when you get out there and it rains for 52 hours non-stop every hour of the day and night, that that's not fun. Yeah, it gets and you then, ready for combat in a real situation if you ever have to come to that. Yeah, but see, what happened was is our course warrant said to us, he's like, uh, don't bring your spare boots, it's extra weight in your rucksack. I was carrying a lot of weight. I had 128 pounds on my back. I weigh 160... To put this into perspective, I weigh 165 pounds. Oh. Uh... That was, and my rucksack's waist strap kept coming undone. That was not, that was not a fun ruck march. What, what, what were you carrying? Did you have any kind of, uh... Uh, I was carrying a C9A2 light machine gun and uh. a radio. <laughs> and then I had all my stuff in my rucksack, which basically entailed, like, spare uniform, uh, like, six sets of underwear socks, uh, which I lost some. And then I had, uh, my radio batteries, I had radio antennas, I had more C9 ammunition, I had all kinds of goodies like that. I had my MR MREs or well IMPs with me. Canadian Army mainly uses IMPs, but we do use MREs sometimes. Right. Uh, and the the C9A2 carrying was like just a punishment for me because I wasn't even like the main C9 gunner of our section. I was the radio guy, so normally I carried a C7, but our C9 gunner uh, carried my C7 on the ruck march. And then because the mass corporal hated me, he gave me the C9. And then as soon as we got into the defensive, I handed the C9 away. Uh, there were lots of times where I used the C9 in uh, defensive firefights and stuff. Like, uh, but yeah, like I remember there was this time, uh, it was about like 3 a.m. And it, it, it had just stopped raining and uh, everyone was wet. Uh, I was getting trench foot. Ooh. We lost three people. We lost three people on the course to trench foot. It got so bad they had to leave it. Like this one guy, his, his feet were completely white and wrinkled, and in between the wrinkles was this like red flesh. It was it was bad Ugh. for him. But uh, it just stopped raining. It's like 3 a.m. I'm spacing the fuck out, and I think I see Bigfoot. Like I'm hallucinating. <laughs> like you, you have such a lack of sleep, and you get so sleep fucked. And uh, suddenly I hear like stick maladits, and like eight training grenades just come soaring out of this defilade. And Opfor had crawled through the grass within about uh, 20 feet of our trench. And they just like all exploded right in front of the trench. And then they just like bum rushed the trench. Uh, oh so I just God. hopped on the C9 and I started, just, you know, hold, held down the trigger. Basically uh, let off a good 40 round burst. And then I started adopting 15 round bursts. And we, uh, the trench to our left got overwhelmed. So then I didn't really have any idea of what was going on. So I look over at one of my two trench mates, I'm like, get on the C9, and I grab a C7, and I load a 30-rounder, and then I jumped out, and then I ran over to the other trench, and I, like, stood on top of it, and then put it on full auto and stormed that trench to get them out. And then, wow. then as punishment, I had to drag a guy out of a, like, six-foot-deep trench. I'm not even six feet tall. I'm, like, five-foot-ten. <laughs> so to grab him and pull him right out of it. 
it was not a task I could accomplish. This guy was six foot eight and weighed about 280 pounds. Uh, it was not a task I could accomplish, or I needed assistance in getting him out of the trench. Uh, I'm sure they didn't. I'm sure they didn't let you have assistance. Th- no, I, I was able to call for assistance. Uh, th- they often used that guy as a punishment for other people. Uh, I remember there was this short uh, Asian chick we had in our course. Uh, her name was Zhu, and uh, she got in trouble one day. I can't really remember what it was for, but they they come up to Farkas, and we we weren't in the field yet. And they're like, "All right, Farkas, you're dead. Lay down. You've been shot by a sniper." And they call Zoo over. Now Zoo is uh, five foot two, oh. and wait, dragging a sick guy who's like six foot eight, and they make Zoo like try to drag this guy like a hundred feet. <laughs> oh my god! And uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a hard task for her, but she did it. That's she did that's it. That's a like, good war. She good war stories to bring home to the family. I mean, <laughs> but uh. I hate I hated that field up. Mainly the rain. I think you would absolutely love like tacticals. Like like just reenacting tacticals. I mean they're they're very similar to that, just not you're you you do not feel like a hundred percent committed to it if that makes any sense. Like you're not like because I mean everyone's everyone's kind of everyone's friends there, so there comes a time where you can just kinda of sit and just kinda, of, you know get out of character and just kind of hang out eat some snacks and stuff and it's just like but then there's other times where it gets into situations like that where like you know we'll have a we'll have like a platoon leader or a section leader and he'll yell at you and like make you do like carry but i had to carry these um for the for the rhodesian event I, we had these um soviet anti-tank mines that weighed about like 15 pounds each and me and my friend had to carry them like three miles Plus our rucks and rifles, like just like, it's just shit like that. And then you get into like a, you know, a short firefight and, you know. Mm. That was basically how like the field op went was a series of like short sporadic firefights. Yeah, exactly. Like, That's eight, pretty much how it eight goes. Eight to ten times a day. You're just, you're sitting there most of the time and then it's just like, oh my god, I want to fucking kill myself. And then you're just kind of like, oh, <laughs> this is fun. This is like real I have like, I have like even better... Or, uh, oh, there was this uh, time where evacuating platoon hide, uh, we got in trouble. So they made us mask up in a CBRN kit. And then they're like, okay, ruck up. And they made us ruck for four kilometers in oh. CBRN. But, uh, it might not have been four. I think that's an over-exaggeration. It might have been a little bit less, but they, uh, they had to stop it because people were, like, falling over. Uh, CBRN is my most hated thing on the planet. I hate chemical warfare and just being in a gas mask. That's what, of course I, that's what I've heard from everybody. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not some. We don't need to use it as much today, but I've heard it's just like getting it on and off, and then actually wearing it and having to. It's just like I've heard it's a nightmare. It is a nightmare, especially when you have to run with a gas mask on. Yeah. Uh, because you cannot get as much oxygen into your system through the filter. Right. So it really makes you out of breath like twice as fast like during basic we would wake up and do like these eight kilometer death runs which were hard uh but you, you start to get the hang of it uh, after about four of those i was i could do one without puking ah. and uh yeah it was kind of one of those things where uh oh i'm gonna puke run over the ditch puke turn around keep running uh, you just sort of keep going because that's what they looked for on basic training was drive and resilience right. uh there were other times where, like, my body made me shut down. I tore my lower back muscles carrying a guy once. Uh, 
but yeah, you, you try to get through it, you keep going, but uh, there was this one day, because I did my basic training over a series of weekends. That's how we do it, like the regiment runs it, so like oh, so you Friday just after- the, the, the weekend and do what you want. And... No, no, like the weekend is when we do the training. Okay, uh, oh, okay, I see. The shitty thing about it is, is like so many guys in the army will rag on like, oh, weekend BMQ is easy. No, like these guys will work like a nine to five everyday full work week, and then they come and do basic training on the weekends. That's and a good same schedule. For these students. Yeah. It's it's perfect for students as well because I mean, yeah, but it, it's hard to do that kind of thing because you have this week where you work and you do all this stuff, and then you go right into a military environment where it's explosive high. Like it's hard to do. Right. Like I would I would pretty much get off school on Friday and I'd go home, toss my shit on, and up to the base. Here's BMQ again. Wow. Uh, oh man! But we had this one day where it was a Sunday. It was like our last classroom of the day. We're about to go home to lock up to the barracks, and then we're off. We can go back home. We actually had next weekend off, so we're thinking to ourselves, "Yeah, that was that wasn't a bad weekend." And we get outside, and Mass Corporal comes out, "Gas, gas, gas, motherfuckers!" <laughs> so we're like, "Ah, oh, shit." So we, we get that on, and then he's like, why aren't you putting on your bunny suits, like our CBRN suits? So we throw all that on, and then anybody who didn't have their gas mask on in nine seconds was quote-unquote dead. Oh, did he, then did he make you make you guys carry them? He made us drag about 150 meters around this bend and up a hill to a jeep, which was the evacuation point. So me and my friend uh, Hogarth were, were dragging this guy, and... Uh, we have his rifle in our arm. Hogarth is carrying his rifle, and then I had my rifle. And then we had Newman's rifle, which we had slung across Newman's chest. And uh, so we're dragging these guys, and uh, my vision starts to go blurry. A uh, hundred feet from the point, and we're like, we're in, we got all our shit on, like tack vest, helmet, mask, backpacks, rifles, mags, everything. It's we got it all on. And uh, I, I yell out, I'm like, yo, my vision's going blurry, something's wrong. He's like, burn out, we gotta do this. I'm like, I'm burning out. And as, we get him to the evacuation point. And as soon as we get there, we drag him, move him into position. And I move my body from this like crouch dragging position we were in to standing upright. I take one breath and everything goes black. Oh, did you I black out. shit and pass out? Yeah, I fell right backwards over. And I just hear this, oh, fuck, <laughs> from outside my suit. And uh, that's how that went. That was, uh, basic training was an interesting experience in my life. <laughs> that's a fun story. No, I mean, just like my experience wearing NBC gear, it's all, I've only put on OZK before, which is Soviet NBC gear, the slime suit, if you've ever heard of it. Yikes. Yeah, it's, it's those green, it's just this bright green, like, rubber suit. And it was it's actually worse. It's 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 about like a hundred times worse than NBC gear you see nowadays I mean, it's, it was there was no way for it to breathe I mean, you're just literally sweating inside it and it's just heating up because it's it's just completely rubber and There's like two different layers to it. There's a there's a OZK underwear, which actually Luke owns a pair of it and um, Which he said smells terrible. He bought it and hasn't opened it out of the box because it just smells so smells so bad but then you put that on and then you put the OZK over it. And I mean, just literally just standing there, you can just feel. So I can't even imagine having to just run around in that. And uh, yeah, uh, and I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure you know that there we will feature um, NBC year in Escalation 1985 
for pretty much oh, no, pretty, I think that's awesome. pretty much every faction. And your character will actually there's a morale system. So if he's got the uh, chemical gear on, his morale is going to be lower, which will sacrifice your your ability to aim. Uh, you know, straight, and you know your sprinting will be you know you won't be able to sprint as fast, and your vision will blur, and just general things like that. Yeah, sprinting around in CBR and in full kit is <laughs> not an easy task to accomplish. Like not at all. Yeah. Doing doing clearing sweeps and gas masks is one thing because you know you're walking slowly, you're looking for bodies, you're doing a clearing sweep of after a firefight, right? Right. But like sprinting and dragging people in it is not a good time. It's a difficult task to accomplish. It's hard, and uh, your lungs they really start to burn. Right. Yeah, like, oh my god. But, uh, you know, you, you get through it. Um, on my on my basic training, they sort of used gas, like, these gas drills as a punishment. So they introduced it to us uh, very early on. So we would, like, be coming out of the mess hall at lunch, and we would see a Master Corporal standing there in a gas mask, which means, oh shit, gas threat. And, uh, yeah, everybody gases up, and then they're screaming at us the whole time, and... I feel yeah. like they do it to y'all pretty frequently. I mean, if we, like, how often do you have that where it's just like, you do gas drills and stuff like that? On, on basic training, we would probably do it about five or six times a day. Oh, my God. Oh. Uh, but beyond that, like, just back at the regiment, most people also hate CBRN. Uh, <laughs> I remember this classic sergeant, he's like, listen, I fucking hate CBRN. And if you like it, you're fucking weird. <laughs> it is, and he's like, I'm like, yeah. That's uh, we have this. We have this one major in our regiment who's like really gung-ho about CBRN. He did all these courses on it. It's interesting to learn about gas warfare and like doing these drills, they can save your life. Like, oh, no, absolutely. There's no, there's, 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 no de there's definitely that. a reason for it. I mean, I mean, just being able to put the gear on fast and being able to know exactly what to do under that certain situation will absolutely save your life. Like, there's no way you could get me to go into any combat environment without my gas mask. Oh, yeah. Uh, Especially some Middle no Eastern battlefield like... you're seeing, you know, in Syria using chemical weapons being used, nerve gas, ner oh, nerve course, agents, like... and like, it's, it's scary what they can do to people. Yeah, it's, it's terrible, so like, I'd always want to have this with me. Um, and our gas masks are pretty good, like, visibility is easy. Like, it's sometimes it's harder to take up a sight picture, but you can see out the mask right. pretty damn well. And apparently we're gonna be uh, getting new ones soon. Um, I think it's called like the XM50 or something. XM50. And it's just got like one, it's got like these one big uh, visor. I've seen of pictures it. of this. I've seen, I think in Oxide's Discord, I thought I saw a guy with a picture, or he was, it was a picture of him wearing one of those. It was like the detachable visor, and it's just one face mask. I think I might have seen a picture of that. Yeah, but apparently the uh, the whole army might be getting some of those soon, so that'd be pretty rad. But then again, apparently we're also going to be using multicam. Ah. I, I, I knew I knew it would happen reason. eventually. Yeah, for some weird reason, the Canadian Army feels the need to adopt multicam. Because <laughs> uh, it's understandable because the desert CADPAT uniforms are all getting pretty worn out. Right. But you don't need to you don't need to replace woodland CADPAT with multicam. Like for my environment, it would work pretty well because it's pretty brown around here all the time. Right. But uh. Mostly woodland. You're not really seeing a lot of. Yeah, like basically 
if I went down to the coast to do training, which we do all the time, you'd see me coming from a mile away. Cadpat works great right. for the environment that I'm in. Like, Cadpat gets the job done. If you're in, like, a green wooded environment, Cadpat's I think it looks cool, too. I mean, I, I like the look oh, of it, yeah. definitely. Um, oh, yeah, I love my Cadpat. This has been the Escalation 1985 podcast. We are a small indie team trying to make the Cold War hot, but we need your help. Please support us by going to patreon.com slash escalation1985 and throw a dollar at us. You'll get access to the private Discord channel with us devs at the lowest tier. Higher tiers can get some posters, shirts, and medals from Beyond the Iron Curtain, as well as to first see the game once we are ready to test it. Thank you to Synthetic Bobka and Voltage for supplying the music. Also, we'd just love to thank uh, War Aesthetics for being on this podcast for today. We will link his channel in the description of this video. Um, also, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Next time, we'll be discussing Top Gun 2 and Tom Cruise's awesome aviator. <laughs>